Welcome to Ark City. I'm Jimmy Kripka. Let's go. All right. I am here in Europe coming to you live from the heart of ski racing culture. I'm excited. You can feel in the air. The season has begun. It's December. It's starting to snow. Maybe too much snow. Um, the World Cup season's just getting going, and we might be looking at, I hate to say the C word, but we might be looking at some cancellations. It's also a bit of a weird year, and I, I can't count how many times I've said that, but there's no people anywhere. Everyone's holed up. Ski resorts aren't even open, and they're open on the weekdays if you show a negative test result and you're part of a team for training. So definitely unprecedented times, but... At least we're still skiing, you know, in some capacity. So before we get started, I want to remind you briefly that Arc City's official sponsor is Spider. That's Spider Active Sports, the U.S. ski team's official outerwear for the past 30 years. You can find more info at spider.com. That's spider with a Y. And new this episode, I am personally sponsored by Mox Mind and Body. That's M-O-X. Mox has some great skincare products which I haven't used yet, but personally, I use this muscle roller they make, and you rub it on your skin. It's this liquid that, you know, your skin absorbs. Whenever my back or neck gets tight, I just get this stuff on there. Next day, feels totally fine. It's awesome. So it has this super high quality CBD in it, and importantly, it has no THC, 0.0% THC. You can use my code JimmyWho, that's all caps, Jimmy, W-H-O, right now to get 10% off. Highly recommend it. Anyway, that's it for ads. So let's dive right into it. I've got a great show for you today. Stephen Nyman is my big guest today, the mayor of Arc City, if you will. We had an awesome conversation. If you don't know him, uh, you will by the end of the episode. Great guy, even better American downhiller. Before we get to, well, I'm not trying to say he's a bad guy. I, I said he was a good guy. And I also said he was a good downhiller. I didn't mean to compare the two. Anyway, before we get to that, I've got some quick headlines to read. Then a brand new segment called COVID Watch. Super fun. After that, I give you a delicious nugget of skiing history. Then, well, I got a lot of packed into here. It doesn't take that much time, but I'm packing in the goods. I'm going to give River Adamus a 15-second call to keep a promise I made him. Then after the interview with Steven, we've got some more stuff. We've got a couple minute phone call with the newly anointed American hero, Paula Moulton, to congratulate her on her podium last week. And finally, we read the mail. Guys, don't forget to send me mail. I love mail. Info is in the description. All right, I've got four quick headlines for you. I did my fact checking on skiracing.com, and you can go there for more info if you like. I will use my my headline voice if you guys don't mind let me know if it really bothers you i'm jimmy krupka with these headlines the men's gs races scheduled to take place in val d'azere were moved to santa Catarina, italy where they will still go as planned this weekend michaela schifrin will not race the saint moritz super g races scheduled this weekend due to a lack of speed training in the off season she says schifrin won this event two years ago 32-year-old Swiss speed charger Marcus Seen announced his retirement. He explained that his body and brain have taken too much beating and, quote, will not allow him to ski in the way demanded of the highest level of ski racing. Mark sustained a major head injury in 2015 at Kitzbühel Super G, 
but went on to secure his career-best results, a fifth place in both the 2016 and 2018 Kitzbühel downhills. Mark, thank you for charging hard, and we wish you the best in future endeavors. And at a parallel GS races last weekend in Lech, Austria, that seemed fairer and safer than previous years, Frenchman Alexis Pantero beat out Henrik Christofferson, further lending fodder to the growing meme surrounding Christofferson's all-too-often second-place finishings. On the women's side, Petra Volhova took her third straight win this season, while American Paula Moulton grabbed second place in her first World Cup podium. Schifrin did not race, and 19-year-old Ali Resnick from Vail, Colorado, made a promising World Cup debut. Now, a brand new segment. Oh, sorry, I'm still in my headline voice. Now, a brand new segment I call COVID Watch. Anna Sven Larsen, the particularly fast Swedish slalom skier, tested positive on Wednesday, December 2nd. Sven Larsen had just recently returned to training after completing a two-week quarantine for close contact where she missed the opening World Cup slalom races in Levy. Luckily, the next Women's World Cup slalom is not until the end of the month, but I feel for you. I did a two-week quarantine, and it's not fun. Justin Marissier, Loic Maillard, and Marco Odermatt, the powerful Swiss GS trio, tested positive, but it was almost two weeks ago now, and it seems that they won't have to miss any races. And finally, in the United States, records are being broken in almost every COVID category, and not in a good way, as seen with these World Cup skiers whose job it is to take this seriously and not get infected, and they're still getting infected. It just shows how easy it is to get this thing, so please wear a mask, even on the mountain, Maintain distance at all times. Keep your social group small. The ski season may depend on it. Now, your History Channel segment this week. What? Are we on the History Channel? No, this is just your skiing history nugget this week. I've got a few fun facts for you about NASTAR, the world's largest recreational racing program. So number one, we've got three for you. Number one, it was created by the former editor-in-chief of Ski Magazine who loved golf and decided that skiing needed its own version of par in golf, a way to compare yourself to the fastest skiers in the country. And thus, pace setters and handicaps were invented. Two, NASTAR is short for National Standard Race. <laughs> Don't try too hard on this one. It'll hurt your brain. You just take a few letters from the beginning of each word. And actually, the original name was going to be Slits after the brewing company that used to sponsor the NASTAR races um, until they found out that it was the German word for the, the fly zipper on a man's pants. And fun fact number three, my first ski race was a NASTAR course, and I know many other people who got into ski racing that way. So appreciation and shout out to NASTAR. Hey Riv, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I I just talked to Paula for like a quick four minute interview. Um uh-huh. and it's going on the next podcast. But I realized that I promised you you would be the first recurring guest on Arc City, and you will not be that promise will not go be gone back on. So um River, 
Uh, thanks for being on Arc City. Welcome to Arc City. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's let's keep it short and sweet because uh, we don't have time to dig into all of, all that is River Adamus. It, it deserves its own episode. Um, so if you just tell us how you're doing, tell us um, if you're excited for uh, the races coming up at Santa Catarina. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm actually, you caught me on, in the car on the way to Santa Catarina. I just came from Solden, and we had a 40-mile journey that's going to take four and a half hours. Uh, but wow. that's the life, you know, so I'm excited. We're uh, on our way and going to get on the hill tomorrow. Can't, can't wait to, to get another race off in this crazy season. Sounds good. Well, Riv, um, I would promise you a bigger interview and I wish you the best of luck in Santa Catarina and thank you for being the very first recurring guest on my podcast. Oh, I think we lost him. Riv, can you hear me? Well, that's it. All right, time for Stephen Nyman, the American downhill legend himself. So this interview is actually from September, October. I visited his house for an in-person conversation, one of my first ever, actually, because I've always podcasted in COVID times. But we sat outside at either end of his deck, totally distanced, which is why you might hear some ambient noise. And I apologize for that beforehand. But I hope you enjoy the conversation. I definitely did. When I shut off the microphone, Stephen and I talked for another 45 minutes. He's always been super nice to us younger guys, great role model, and I appreciate that. So without further ado, Stephen Nyman. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming over. Yeah. Um, thanks for uh, Should I say me. thanks for having me? Um, and this is what you're supposed to say. It's a privilege to be on the show. It's a privilege to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, even, I don't even know what this is going to be yet. Hopefully it gets published. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, because apparently my last podcast with you wasn't published. So let's talk about that. So uh, for those who don't know, which is basically everyone, I had a podcast, my very first podcast called The Smoothie Club, which was with three O's. And it was an informal podcast in that it was never published in any form, except it just stayed in the voice memos on my phone. <laughs> and uh, I had uh, Steven on, made a smoothie for me. I was a smoothie critic. And it was a pretty good smoothie, I think, from what I remember. It was a very good smoothie. <laughs> I was actually, I was, was I was really impressed good. with myself. And what and did I receive? I think you got three stars. I don't think you ever give three stars. I think you got two stars. Well, maybe you got two stars. Well, my, my Because you only was, give three stars. It's I, four, I, right? Or I five. was out of five, but I don't give out five stars and I've never seen a four. Maybe I got a three. I don't know. It's ridiculousness. I think I was lower than Ted and Jesse Diggins. And you gave me that because just, or you, you didn't give me a three star because Jesse Diggins is hot and Ted is Ted Liggety. <laughs> so you had to suck up to Ted. I don't think so I, I got a two star and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Ted's a good smoothie maker, but I'm pretty, I'll say it was the most, it was the most fun review I've done because I remember at the end of this, of the uh, podcast, we started talking a bit like this. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> a bit of New York accent. But I, I had all my, I had, I had the nutrients. I knew nutri. What do you call them? <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> Nutritions. I had the nutrients. I had the reasoning behind it. It was good. But now we're going to talk about skiing. Let's talk about skiing. So 
Well, actually, first, you like to be called Steven, not Steve. It doesn't matter. Some people call matter. me Steve. Some people call me Steven. But most, I like Steven. I'm not a Steve. Steve's. Okay. So you're not a Steve. Steve's just cool, man. Yeah, you're Steven. Yeah. Okay. Because it's remember believe in Steven. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, I remember I was, I was in the COE, you know, four years ago as a young. Um, I'm still young, but <laughs> someone was like, don't call Steven, Steve, call him Steven. So I just, that stuck in my brain. All right. Am I that intimidating or? <laughs> no. Well, maybe you were back then, I guess. Everyone was intimidating. Um, I grew up, I grew up watching you ski, you know, on the World Cup. So you grew up in Utah. Yep. South of here, like Provo, right? Sundance. Actually. Sundance. Little, little ski resort south of here. 45 minutes south of Park City. Um, Robert Redford actually bought it in 1969. It was Temp Haven before that. And there's actually a really rich history of skiing and ski racing there. I mean, really? Redford made downhill racer. He has a high passion for skiing. Um, and then a lot of the guys that started skiing in Utah started there because mm. a lot of the other ski resorts didn't exist in Utah. Um, and so Alf Egan, Benuses, who went on to Snowbird and Alta, that like those guys all came from the Sundance area. And um, I think it was the Tim Haven ski team, or I can't remember the, the name of the ski team, but they, they dug up all these archives and there's some cool films behind it. Um, one, of the, one of the heads of the ski team right now kind of, re-expose the history and it was enlightening to me and it's it's a lot of fun but um a lot of those guys came to further develop utah skiing and skiing in general in the u.s and uh so it was it was cool to come from there and also eric fisher who made the o ski team alicia stevens uh, all came kim, from there. kim stevens very close yeah all steve Benus, um all came from sundance which is pretty rad yeah, it's cool because it's, sm- it's a small ski area. Tiny, yeah. And uh, and then you moved to Park City. Um, yeah, started skiing in Park City when you were older. When I was sixteen, um, once I could drive, I negotiated with my high school. I said, okay, I don't have to do PE. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I do, and so they gave me credit for that. And then I, I Sundance is an art community, so I talked to them and I said, how about in the summer I do art classes with these artists and so i do ceramics or jewelry making or painting or whatever um and those art credits i didn't have to get at school so i just basically went from morning till noon and at noon i hopped in the car drove to park city and trained in the afternoons and at the time the world cup was going on here so the piece was really hard and and it lasted all day and even though it's blasted by the sun so um I I got the adequate training I needed and mm-hmm. um, I was the best at Sundance and then I went to Park City luckily because it just had this nucleus of kids that were really good at the time and I wanted to chase better talent and uh, we were we were good and a lot of those guys made the ski team uh, oh, TJ amazing. Adam Cole Friedman um, JJ so and and some coaching parker gray um it was it was a really cool time to uh and just a memorable time just to 
be a ski racer and and 2002 came up through that area as well so oh, yeah. like as amongst the world cup amongst the olympics and it just inspired a bunch of kids to and ted sorry ted came to park yeah. city obviously um and so uh it was just incredibly uh competitive and and everybody was really you ride up it's similar to i think stowe right where you just ride up the left or or burke or whatever you ride up the left and you see your friends going down and you're like wow they're good. yeah be like oh that was good and like you just want to top that guy or top yeah. the next guy or and and one day russ crandall would be the fastest and the next day ted liggity would be the fastest or tj would be the fastest and you and you just always just compete with your buddies and but we're all like really good friends and we all push each other to higher heights and um a lot more people could have made the ski team uh i feel like i got lucky in a sense but um i also worked really hard and that yeah. was a dream of mine and 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 it happened um so was it but always? you guys are i see your your crew is that like you're really supportive of each other and you really push each other and you're you're amongst each other all the time knowing like what it took and okay you did that and now once one of you guys breaks through it's like okay i can do that too you know yeah i i hope that's what happens and and that's what you guys uh will see should happen yeah i think it, i think that's like a theme through sports it's like when you have a, a group of guys that you know are constantly pushing each other like it, it it's just you know metal sharpens metal or whatever what's the saying there i don't know I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Try to pull out a fancy saying. But so was that always a dream of yours? Like, did your parents I, iron ski? Sharp. Iron sharpens iron? I don't know. Whatever. My, no, my parents, um, my mom learned to ski. My mom's from Auburn, California. She learned to ski when she was like 14 or 16. And, and basically her dad brought her to the top of Boreal. And she was wearing Levi's and he said, if, if you're going too fast, just fall over. <laughs> and so she'd fall over. And at the time, the Levi's, basically once they got wet, they just left blue streaks down the mountain. So she said she went down and just looked up and there's just blue streaks down the mountain because she just kept falling <laughs> on her butt and <laughs> dying the snow blue. Um, and then my dad, he didn't ski. My grandpa was actually a pro baseball player and um, my dad, he took up ski. He was a baseball player as well, but then he just told his dad, he's like, I don't, I don't like it. He's like, well, why are you doing it? <laughs> he's like, Oh, well, I like skiing. And he took up skiing late at like 18, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad went on to be the ski school director for 20 years at Sundance. Um, my mom taught ski school. Uh, they so passed that on to us. Ski racers. Uh, my dad coached the BYU ski team. Okay. Like he, he, he loved it and he loved sport and he loved competition, but, um, that, that passion for skiing grew into, um, a coaching job at BYU and then, uh, ski instructing. And when I was a kid, I chased a lot of the BYU skiers around. They weren't NCAA, they were NCSA, but they had a lot of Norwegian recruits they're really, really good racers that came through Sundance and, and BYU. So I got to just chase a lot of talent and, and see uh, 
what ski racing really is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at a young age. <clears throat> but my younger brother, Blake, was a very good ski racer. Um, he quit, took up snowboarding, then he quit that and then went back to free skiing and he was in all the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's in like Warren Miller and, and uh, Nimbus and he's, he's good. He's probably the most naturally talented out of all of our brothers. My older brother, um, he did ski school, ski patrol. Um, on the side, I did some random ski school stuff mm-hmm. one time. Ski school was overloaded. My dad asked me, he's like, I need help, Stephen. Can you help teach this lady? And she was uh, this 80-year-old woman. <laughs> and I started going up the lift with her. And she just kept saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know how old I was. I was... 14, 15, 16. Oh, wow. I don't know what, and I was like, okay. And we'd go down a couple hundred yards. And she'd sit down and be like, I'm just really tired. And it happened a few times. And then about three quarters of the way down the hill, she's like, I, I just got to go sit under a tree. And I'm like, when old people sit under trees, they die in movies. You know, I'm like, panic. This lady is just going to croak on me. But we made it down one run. She gave me a good tip. And I was like, okay. That was she cool. Didn't die, <laughs> didn't die on me. Wow. But, um, uh, yeah, I come from a lot of skiers, skiing background, mm-hmm. skiing family, but, um, it wasn't, they weren't, they weren't raised as skiers. It was a passion that developed, uh, later in their lives. Gotcha. So let's, let's jump right into it here. So I looked you up on your Wikipedia page. I actually already knew this, but it's right there in the beginning. Um, you won the junior world junior championships slalom, even though your, you know, all of your world cup success has been in speed. I know you like, not all I, you had, I have points in slalom. You point the slalom. Yeah. You do, you do a slalom points. Yeah. So I'll give you that. It's 15th. You're 15th once. So one yeah. slalom result. Yeah. Okay. After world juniors, after one world, juniors, <laughs> went so, to world cup finals and got 15th. So let's talk. Let's like, and that was the end of my song career. What, did, the, did the coaches just say, hey, we just think you're more of a speed skier? No. Um, so I, I, uh, growing up at Sundance, I couldn't really train speed. So Sundance is interesting because there's a front mountain and a back mountain. And to get from the back mountain to the front mountain, there's this run called Toilet Bowl that kind of wraps around the mountain and has a big, long flat. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I skied with a lot of the BYU guys who were big, mature males that had momentum and and I I didn't understand any of that but I'd always just try and figure out how to keep up with them and glide and and draft off them and um I I didn't know at the time I was really developing that gliding skill which was just natural to me um and I'm one of the best gliders on the world cup tour still um but I never really realized how good I was at that because I grew up on K2. My dad skied for K2. He was a rep. And so I, I just skied on K2 and I didn't understand what like real good skis were. And yeah, the mares had success. Chip Knight had success. Bodie had success, but K2 one out of 10 skis was good. They, They just, they weren't consistent with their production. And I, I skied, I won or I qualified for world juniors on K2 and that was the year of the Olympics 2002 and uh, at the Olympics um, I was still training getting ready for world juniors and Mike Day um, 
who is Michaela's coach right now, was Ted's coach, was my coach at Park City Ski Team before he was Bodie's coach at the time, gave me a pair of Bodie's old Fishers and just said, dry these. And because he used to be a K2 skier uh -huh. <laughs> and I got on him and I was like, I, I could win the Olympics right now. Like I'm, this is ridiculous. Like I'm, this is so easy compared to what I was skiing on in, in the yeah. past. And so I took those to Europe and like I qualify for world juniors as a discretionary pick. I was in stretch pants from the nineties that I bought for 10 bucks at a ski swap. And I had an old downhill suit. I cut the top off with scissors and I had a backwards cap on. Like I was no, not professional wait. at all. <laughs> no ski team issued anything. Yeah. And, and was, was actually named on discretion. I wasn't even going to be named until Adam Cole actually overheard a meeting that the coaches were having and they mentioned my name and I had long hair and stuff. And I, I think I might have black hair at the time. I don't know. And they, they were like, they were like, uh, they mentioned my name. And one of the coaches said, he's just a stoner boy from Utah. And Adam walked by and he said, actually he's a Mormon boy from Utah. <laughs> and they, uh, and they ended up taking me and I don't know if it's cause of Adam or what, but, um, <laughs> so, um, I made it to world juniors, one world juniors mm. beating Axel, uh, Mark Berthaud, Peter Phil, all these guys who went on to have amazing careers, yeah. winning lots of world cups. Um, I was standing on the podium next to Axel and Axel looks at me and goes, who are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, have you raced any world cups? I'm like, no, have you raced any Europe cups? No. <laughs> I raced a couple Norams and he's just like, how did this guy beat me? Guy? You know? Yeah. And then I went to World Cup Finals in Flockau. Then at World Cup Finals, um, I'm training with Eric Schlopi, who was top three in the GS standings, Bodie, Von Grunigan, Amat, my childhood hero, Chules uh, Ola Carlson. And, and you're just. Get, get this though. I'm. Like K2 did not have a good GS ski. My GS points were 65 or something. And I'm training in Hinterite with these guys and I'm crushing them on GS. <laughs> like I was, I on, went to World Juniors. On your Fishers or your K2? On my Fishers. Okay. So I was given these. Yeah. I, I was also, I was given some Fishers at World Juniors because Mike Day called Siggy, who still is the head of Fisher Race. Uh -huh. And he, he brought skis to me angrily. He like gave them to me. It's like, this is on my vacation. I am my, I ruined my holiday for this. You better do something. And I won <laughs> and he called me up and he was like, that was worth it. <laughs> um, but so he gave me speed skis, GS skis, um, super G downhill. It was, I got silver in the combi and the combi is downhill super or GS and slalom combined, or it might even be super G downhill slalom. Yes, it, it was at the time. There was an actual combi. It wasn't the two. It was all the events, all the events together. Oh. But I gave up my GS spot to my friend Carl Rickson because I had like 65 points and I didn't think I was good at GS and I hadn't trained anything on these fish. I had yeah. no clue. And so I, uh, <laughs> so I gave that to Carl, but I ended up getting canceled. So the combi actually was just the result of the downhill and the slalom combined. And I uh -huh. ended up winning, or I was second. So I got that as well. Um, and, uh, then I went to World Cup finals. I was training with all these 
the best GS skiers in the world and I'm beating them all. And Bodhi is like, who are you kid? Like this kid's going to take over the world. And <laughs> I just, I had honestly had no clue what I was doing. I was and just like, this still, is easy because I was skiing on such junky. Sweater and sweet skin pants. No, they gave me a good suit. Okay. By then. <laughs> and I wore it with pride. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just, uh, I was just skiing because it was so easy because I hadn't, skied on anything like good in my yeah. life um and then i went to world cup finals and just choked like first run was just like knees knocking in the slum in the slum just like well these are all my heroes here it goes yeah. you know big crowd everything and uh i was last and then the second round i started first and i was just like what do i got to lose and i ended up fifth or sixth on the run and and nice. a fifteenth, and yeah. scored World Cup points, but then, um, I didn't. That was I broke my leg. I got named to the team two days later. I broke my leg skateboarding. It hurt to oh. train slalom, do short turns, and so I ended up uh, kind of taking up speed. And, and that was they the they put me in that winter to a lot of World Cups, uh -huh. and just I just got in worked. Slalom? Yeah, uh -huh. just got worked. But I, I also. Bodhi had fish off, switch off a of Fisher that year mm -hmm. to Rozzy. And so um, Fisher was pretty angry. And I think they just gave us junk skis. Really? Yeah. And the stuff I was skiing on just wasn't good. And uh, I had already given away my old skis that I was good on because <laughs> I just got this whole load of skis from Fisher. Yeah. I was like, sweet, don't need these anymore. And I just figured they were all good, but it wasn't the case. Idiot move. So hold on to those skis, kids. So they're good that's... And, and then i took up speed because you tend to keep those skis anyway yeah. and um yeah the rest is history the rest is history <laughs> many podiums later here we are so that's interesting to me this the when you talk about the skis because i talked to darren on an episode and he talked about switching to atomic and next thing you knew he was just world class and the same thing with with a, with a couple other people they talk about they switch to a different brand where they do something different with their skis yeah and it just is like night and day i've been on fisher since though and okay. which is like kind of unheard of mm -hmm. and i've been through you you can do that and a lot of people do that and they say okay who's who's dominant right now and they just switch We're like rosie's dominant and so everybody goes to rosie and then there's just this this burden put upon the company and they can't the quality control goes down they can't yeah. keep up with the demand and then everybody bails to the next thing you know yeah. and and i saw that and i saw that happen a lot and fisher's had its up and ups and downs um but in uh 2012 um i i won a world cup and I didn't finish any race the rest of the year, like just crash every, the rest of the races. But I had a lot of fast splits, but a lot of slow splits. And then the next year, I I just got worked and wasn't really good at all. Uh -huh. um, but I had been telling them for a while, the boots aren't working, the boots aren't working. I just got big. Like I, I was I was 190 pounds when I first got on Fisher and I, I grew. And my first World Cup I won in 2006, I was probably... 200 210 pounds something like that i was a skinny kid now i'm 225 and stuff's not made to resist me essentially yeah. and so 
I kept telling them and they're like, Oh, try this, do this. It just, it just never really worked. And then the 2013 season, I just got crushed and I, I went to Fisher and I just said, everybody had kind of bailed on their company as well. And I was the only one left. And I'm like, let's figure this out because you guys make everybody that was speed skiers bailed. You make the best slalom skis. Like guys are kicking ass in slalom, uh, GS top guys and cross country. They're by far the most dominant brand in the world. I'm like, why can't we make a good speed ski? Like what's, what's wrong? And we can do this. Like you have the ability to, let's just figure it out. And so I, I kind of just stepped aside, looked at all my splits and looked at where I was losing so much time, looked at where I was fast. Um, I obviously knew I could win on the world cup. I knew I could perform and we looked at our current skis and looked at basically on anything that's a side hill as just losing tons of time. And we compared my skis to a lot of the other skis out there and our tips were just a lot wider than the other brands the skinnier tips and wider tails. And so we kind of shifted that and changed some stuff on the inside and, um, came up with the skis, the, the wire frame that uh-huh. is today. And we, uh, built those things and they were really, really good. Um, so if people buy Fisher's today, like a downhill or super G ski, that's the ski you helped design with Fisher. Yeah. And, that's and, cool. um, yeah, it's, it's cool to have that yeah. feeling, you know, yeah. basically the 810 and the 809 I design. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, we have a few new models we're messing with now. Uh, we're like we're really really good when it's icy and bumpy and responsive snow mm-hmm. if it's softer spring type snow um 809 is better 810 is made for the ice and bulletproof east coast whatever um that's that's what i won all my world cups on so do but, you have a pair of skis that is just like your like you've used for so many years or not now i i um I had some skis. The first version of those skis were really fast, but like when I went on, I think I had four podiums in a row. When I went on that streak, yeah, um, I used three different skis. It oh, wasn't, really? I had this one pair of skis that was good. Was, I had a group of three skis that were just great. Whenever yeah. I put them on, they're, they're all consistent and good. Um, so we, we built those things, but they were good. And I could tell they're much better, but I still had a a tough year. And then, uh, and then I kept complaining about the boots and finally they just gave me this boot. They're like, Oh, the French guys came up with this. They're trying it. And I was at a photo shoot with spider in Zermatt one summer. And I clicked into these boots or put the boots on and clicked into my skis and was going across the cat track over to the, the the hill and i was like this is what i've been missing this is what i felt when i was a kid like this is something that actually responds to the power that i can put through a boot and uh that that just was like my next dawning i guess um because i had i had really good in the really good start to my career and then I just had some dark ages in the middle and then it's been great this last several years. So, uh-huh. um, and, it, and a lot of it, I attribute to, 
um, equipment, but I never blamed it on equipment. I always thought it was my physical shape or, you know, I, yeah. I did all this stuff. And that's when I just took a step back and I was just like, I'm really fit. I like, like I'm doing all this stuff. This, there's an issue here. And I talked to yeah. my tech and I said, let's fix it. Cause I believe we can. And I, and I instilled that belief within the company and just said, Hey, like, you guys are great and you make great stuff. Like let's make great stuff because yeah. it's not great right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we did that. So you mentioned those dark ages and, um, well, cause you've had an interesting career because you've had these podiums, but they're kind of scattered and you've had three wins, but they're also kind of scattered. They're like all like six years apart or something. First, first to the second was six years six apart. Years. And then it was two years. So the next I want to 06, 12 and 14. Okay. And and, and then sixteen was third uh-huh. in Gardena, but oh six I won oh seven, I made it three skates out of the start tripped fell on my face slid oh, down no. <laughs> like uh, the 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 rebate race after the wins I always had some issues. <laughs> oh, so but that's that's kind of something that happens in sports happens in skiing a lot I feel like where we're you know people just say they forget how to ski or whatever i don't know if that's how you felt but kind of how what did it feel like in those years that you weren't doing as well but you knew you could win and kind of how did you pull yourself out of that um well the the main thing i like to say like sasha rerick he was really good at head coach of the team at that head, time. head coach of the team for several years he was really good at just like trying to teach us what is skiing because as racers you want to just like you race and go yeah. fast and you look at the clock and like how can i go faster or change the line like i'm really a line guy yeah. like you look at my skiing i'm not i'm not the greatest to watch like i'm really <laughs> well, that's because you're tall i'm, I'm tall but i'm out of balance like, but it's yeah. like like my new downing is like i just i have way too much counter at the top of the turn and my hip drops in and i lose my feet and that's why i've crashed and hurt myself so many times probably but I was watching races from last year and I was just like, how am I even fast when I do this stuff? And like, I was winning Kitzbühel until I did the splits on the flats. And it was just because I went in the flats with too much counter and it's, I'm, I'm raised old school. Like I'm raised in the eighties and that's what you did. Yeah. And, and I just never, I need to follow my skis more. It was just like so dumb that that's it's just, just dawned thing. on me now, yeah. but it's like, we did a lot of ski school work in uh, the past. Back to Sasha, he, he he just wanted to teach us like what is skiing because as racers, we get caught up in trying to just be fast. But it's like we need to have a true understanding of what we're trying to accomplish, and understand what skiing is, and therefore, that's going to be much more solidified in our hearts, and we'll have that much more conviction of what we are actually trying to achieve and accomplish on the course instead of just going down and hoping for the best and, and thinking, okay, maybe if I do this, uh, maybe if I put it together, it'll work out. It's like, no, I want to know exactly what I'm doing and see exactly what I'm doing and, and set out and do it. Um, and that's the second wave of my career, which is what much stronger than my first, like my first, I had three podiums, um, in like basically a year span and then it just went dark (laughs) and uh and a lot of it was 
my growth strength wise um, and me putting expectations on myself and a lot of injuries, not maintaining myself, like just trying to basically trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time when I, yeah. when I needed to understand focus on yourself. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's about me and what I need to do. And I don't need to say yes to everything. Yeah. I was always a yes man. And instead of being a little more selfish, but, um, once I understood what I needed, it's easier to say no. And, and we were just also fortunate to have like really good guys come along. Um, good coaches that uh, I think it was at the end of the dark ages. Um, Sasha was just like, we're, we're looking for a new head uh, speed coach. And Sasha was just like, all right, what, what do you want? We got this guy over here, this guy over here, this guy over here. One of those guys was Andreas Evers, who was the winningest downhill coach of all time mm-hmm. um, for the Austrians. And he, he was one of the dudes. I'm like, we, we can get that guy. Why can we get that guy? And he's just like, he wants to work for us. So it's like, okay, like, why not? I don't care about these other dudes. Yeah. Like, let's get the winningest dude of all time. Yeah. He didn't speak the greatest English, but he, like his simplicity at looking at the sport was, um, what we're really bad at in the U S yeah. And if you, and you're really bad at, it, if you really don't understand what you're trying to do, you're like, you're not focused on skiing one one you're focusing on all these little things that could all maybe these, make you a little bit better, but it's, we're talking about yeah. this and this and this and this. Yeah. But. He was like, what is this ankle flexion? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he kept saying. You guys talk about ankle flexion, ankle flexion. What is this ankle flexion? And, and we're like, you, you pull the ankle underneath you. It's like, these are little muscles. You use the big muscles. And if you use the big muscles and have the, the body in the right place, the ankle is flexed. You don't just flex the ankle. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's actually very correct. <laughs> um, but then also like really good trainers, like, uh, Tony Bretzky came in and he showed me a whole new world. Um, in, in the training side of things, athletic wise, I was always fit, but just like he, he, he made a lot of sense to me in certain arenas. Um, so I was just fortunate to have some like really good people come along too that helped me. And, um, but that first summer they were there, like they had all these high hopes for me and talked big game for me. And I, I was all fired up and I sucked. I just was not good. I just, it was the boot thing. I didn't have the right boots. Yeah. I had a couple good races, but I just, I think they lost hope of me, but once I got these new boots and just started crushing it, it was, it was really cool. It was, things took off and things made sense of what they were trying to tell me to do. I just couldn't do the things they were trying to tell me to do. So equipment, back to the equipment thing, equipment's just like super important. It has to communicate with you and you have to trans, you have to find something that transmits the energy from your body to the ski. Mm -hmm. And, and basically a boot, like, the boot I use and, and because I'm so big, I'm a size 13 shoe. I don't know. Bryce does it. Basically I, I convinced Bryce to come to me because I figured out how to, to go to Fisher too. Yeah, yeah. Cause I was just like, is a tall guy when you flex into the boot, you know, when it just bulges out to the side when it's yeah. really warm. Yeah. That just happens all the time for me because boots are exponentially grown from basically a 25, five. They're designed at a 25, five to transmit the energy. Well, 
26 so it where it's yeah, 27, 28, cats. it just starts folding yeah. and the energy just goes out to the side and not actually to the tip when you flex forward. And so um, I figured out how to make that energy drive forward in the boot. And, um, and I just said, Bryce, like, stop trying this stuff. Just come to Fisher. Trust me, this works. And he got on the boot and he was just like, I've been an idiot for years. I didn't <laughs> listen to you, man. <laughs> so, but it was, uh, it's been a lot of fun to have somebody similar in stature to trade info off of and actually develop product and, and instead of going at it alone, because I did it for several years all alone, just not really able to, to bounce information off of people where if you have two people that's twice as much information that's yeah. twice as productive and as you know you don't have that much time on the hill like no, you don't yeah it starts to yeah so to you know step a little away from equipment but talk about like you know one of the stories i've heard about you on the world cup is that on your inspection run of the course you hike back up to every gate so you ski down and then you hike up is that true <laughs> all right uh sometimes sometimes i do a lot of hiking steep it is <laughs> <laughs> but you're not gonna get i mean i mean our workout in i do i hike a lot uh -huh. but i hike until i see what i need to see uh -huh. and and the, the the main reason i do it it's, it's all a vision in my head and it's just this this i close my eyes and i just see me coming into there and me hitting my points i just have these visual cues of where i'm driving all my energy mm -hmm. toward and then hitting that point and then driving my energy toward the next point um and if i don't see that like i'll slide down and i'll s like it, it's all questions uh -huh. and so i'll boom go down i'll hike back up i'll look at it again sometimes i'll do it a few times until i see what i want to see and if I don't have that conviction inside of me, one, it's dangerous. You'll probably come in with hesitation, get hurt. Two, it's you're gonna be slow. Like yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. gonna go in there and be on your heels, or just kind of, yeah. kind of guess, and maybe start too early and back off, and then grind and and not carry the speed. Like so, you basically have a model of the course in your head, and exactly like basically to the to the nearest inch or foot, like where you're where yeah. you're gonna be skiing. Where where I will put that hit that pressure and then just i know when i hit that pressure i can just continually drive on the ski and drive to that exit point and carry the max amount of speed out mm -hmm. that's what i'm always looking for and um that's going back to equipment that was everything i was on and for the dark ages was just really unpredictable mm -hmm. and once i found something that was predictable and transmitted the energy and i knew like when i said to do this it would do this mm -hmm. then it's on um, and so it's just this, this timing tempo and feeling in my body and my head of just like, okay, that's what I got to do now. Let's do it. And then mm -hmm. just create that conviction and that second nature to where you just, when you get there, you're just going to do it. You're not going to guess, you know? Yeah. So much confidence. Yeah. And speaking of, so you've had a few injuries in your career. You're currently, you're currently wearing a boot right now. Oh yeah. Achilles. Um, but just balancing myself out. <laughs> torn my other Achilles 2011. I've torn my left ACL, MZL, PCL, my right ACL. Broke my left leg 
when I made the ski team, broke my right leg two years later. So you're all even at a downhill. Yeah, I'm like, I'm doing good. I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evened out. <laughs> um, so, but when you come, some people when they come back from crashes have a hard time, you know, getting confidence again. Did you? Was that a problem for you coming back from a crash after an injury and just and trying to send it, you know, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour down a course? Uh, I never really had issues until 2017 after I did ACL, MCL, PCL, mm. because uh, I saw this jump. We only had one training run in Garmish. I took it easy off this jump, and usually they don't even make it a jump, this roll. It's, it's a big enough jump naturally and they built it into a jump and it was pointed up and I was just like, you guys can't do this. This needs to be knocked down. And we took it very easy and we flew in the training run, taking it easy. And I said, it has to be knocked down. And I went down an inspection. I said, you need to, they didn't knock it down. And he said, Oh, we knocked it down. I said, you need to knock this down. I said, we knocked it down and we'll knock it down more. And that day it ruined three guys, took them out the rest of the year. And one guy, Oh, even me, like I was, I'd been on five of the last six podiums and I haven't been on a podium since. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, it, it, what affected me is the trust in, in the um, race organizers and, and the in the organizers and in, um, knowing like, is it right? Like yeah. when I tell them do this, they, they actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and knowing like the surface is the right, way everything like that but like my my skiing style was very dependent on a hard good surface and um even in inspection i'd look for that hard spot that i had to just hammer on because i knew it would come around whereas if it wasn't hard like i had to really finesse it and I, i'm a really muscular skier and i don't use my skeleton that well but now i've realized Skiing's a lot easier than I've been making it over the years. <laughs> so I'm excited to attack it. it. Yeah. Um, I'm actually like super, super motivated with what I figured out at the end of last year. But, nice. um, and I really, I believe I can be back on the podium and winning again. It's, it's kind of cool, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's um, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, where was I? So we were talking, <laughs> we were talking about, you're talking about the surfaces and you know yeah. you have it's just a trust yeah surface. like there is there, there is fear and people can't crash mm -hmm. um but it's it's really stepping back and looking like okay was it your fault was it the organizer's fault so finding the what cause is it? of it yeah very and, and that's gonna help you solve your mental issue that mm -hmm. more than um just going at it it's like okay maybe maybe you are scared maybe you don't like speed maybe like i look at george steffi i'm like this guy could just be downhiller <laughs> but he's because he's big and but maybe big, he doesn't let go fast yeah. i don't know <laughs> um that's what it comes down to at the end of the day yeah 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 like do you want to go fast and yeah. can can you risk it you know um and so i i it comes down to, okay, what was really the true cause? You know, did you just start your turn early? Did you hook up into the gate? Did it rip your knee backwards? Like what, is that the cause or was it, um, poor preparation of the snow? Was it your binding screw came loose and you didn't check your skis? Like there's, 
there's a lot of things that can go wrong and there's a lot of variables in skiing which makes it really hard to kind of wrap your brain around mm -hmm. um so that's what i think why skiing is so cool is it it develops such aware people um in the sense that you have to understand and, and some guys don't even understand their equipment they're just like really good skiers but you have to understand equipment you have to understand technique you have to understand your surroundings mm -hmm. like when you're skiing and there's people all around you like you got to be aware of what's what's going on you got to predict how these guys are moving here and there you got to constantly be reading the terrain in front of you and like yeah. what's what's that snow look like what's this look like oh it's yeah. getting dark it's light it's there's some wind here comes snow like there's yeah. it's ever changing and then I always say skiing develops superhumans and I'm not like full of ourselves, but it's just like the G forces, the pressures, the vibrations, the strength that's required, the awareness that's required. Like it really skiers are, I don't, you just don't meet a lot of dumb skiers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're, and they're strong it's people. It's a, like, yeah. but I've also had like incredibly good friends that are really good at skiing that started late like they came in at uh 12 13 like mm -hmm. never skied until 12 13 and they were so good but their bodies just fell apart like just their knees would just snap mid-turn and i don't know if because i started at two and i just kind of went through this progression you just and developed I got, those yeah. kind of weird muscles around your knees and ankles yeah and like i never never i've never had an injury where a mid-turn something just happens yeah it's I hit a wall going 60 or I fall out of a three-story building and yeah. <laughs> like it's always something big and nasty yeah. is what hurts me it's not like something just breaks yeah and I think it's just because I've been developed from such like a young age you know yeah it makes sense um, yeah. but that's so, you can look at me and be like man it's been hurt a lot but <laughs> yeah so you are you are 38 yeah. but you are it seems like you're just as excited about skiing as you have ever been you've been injured a lot so you know the question I'm going to ask is the uh, when do you see yourself retiring? Do you have a timeline? I at least will ski two more years. Okay. Into forty, I think it'd be cool. I'll turn so you're forty ski at the, the Olympics. Olympics at yeah. The least. yeah. I'll turn forty at the Olympics. My birthday's in February, February twelfth. So depending on what the schedule is, I've That'll raced a, a downhill party. on my the Olympic downhill on my uh, birthday once. That's so that was cool. Great birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I like people are always like when when do you think yeah but is it get annoying dude i'm why quit yeah <laughs> like everybody i've talked to that's done is just like man i wish i could keep going like it's yeah. it's it's just i feel so fortunate to be able to do it anyway yeah but um it's just this ever-changing fun puzzle that is is always in front of me yeah um and i i keep making it more interesting having a kid and then having another kid but yeah. um who's due any day now right yeah could could pop out they said <laughs> my wife goes into labor it's what if we hear from inside the, the house <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> water broke let's go you will know first so um interesting <laughs> podcast. the uh the it's just it's i don't know it's it's fun yeah like yeah. I feel so fortunate and I'm out in the world. Um, I, I let my family move with me and I, we move all over to Europe at the beginning of December and we stay there. 
uh, throughout the entire winter. Um, it's uh, I, to perform at the highest level. I think that's necessary to, instead of traveling back and forth. It's to just, have your it's, family with you. Yeah, it's just yeah. like really. Has if that, I'm flying back and forth and I'm jet lagged, I'm I'm obviously not prepared mm-hmm. the best I could be. I mean, having a kid isn't being prepared the best you could be either because you're always moving around and, and changing. Like it's hard to maintain a schedule, but that also helps me be more flexible and trains me to be more adaptable um, yeah. in life. You know, like I, was gonna ask I used to be like better. really really good at just being like tick 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 get this done like super efficient but now it's like efficiency is tough man yeah Yeah. so um and has it changed like i guess it's kind of i was going to ask how it's kind of changed priorities in life like having having you know children um having a family has that or you know has it distracted you like what what do you think it's brought to your life uh taken away Priority wise, it's, it's, they're the priority. Yeah. And, but they're also motivation. Like it's Mm -hmm. a huge motivation. Um, but they're also a distraction in a good sense. Like before Kitsville, I'm reading my daughter book. Like, like I'm not like sitting in bed, like, oh man, okay. How do I do this? It's just like, I'm just reading about dinosaurs. (laughs) Life's good, (laughs) you know? Um, but people have asked me what what if does that affect your willingness to really go for it but no it's what affects me the most what affects my willingness to go for it the most is my preparedness like if if i believe i'm prepared and i'm capable then i go but if i'm not prepared and not capable then there's going to be some hesitation and yeah. that's that's it's just simple it's like then it's just figuring out okay how do you need to prepare how do you need to be the best that you can be yeah um and and making that happen so yeah that makes sense well we are wrapping up here you just you just stopped that on a dime (laughs) well i guess did I, I just mean, give you all the information you ever needed? I mean, that was great. I mean, <laughs> was it? Okay. I just I just learned about life right there. Maybe life itself. Maybe you're just over me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not over you. No, I just don't think there's many. Um, I mean, that was a it was a cool answer. There's not many more interesting things. Like I can't just spin it around and say, "Hey, like let's talk about you know whatever." Yeah. Well, what's what's also cool is having a kid is now I got to pass this knowledge on to them mm-hmm. and um, and teach her skiing and see her explore and push her boundaries more. It's, it's, it's really fun and um, inspiring to me. And um, I think, I hope she understands or, or remembers like living in Europe and, and experiencing these races and, and we have our friends over there and she asks about them frequently so mm-hmm. it's cool and i read her german books and hopefully she learns some german i don't know maybe she doesn't want to touch skiing ski racing maybe she does yeah. you never know but like when i go to when i was going to mount hood this summer she's like can i go to the mount hood with you and ski dad <laughs> like i wish you could but no <laughs> so randomly she'll just 
spit that out and just be like dad when can we go to the mount hood and i remember as a kid my dad taking me and my brothers all to mount hood to go to ski camp you know yes. and and um hopefully i can do that one day with him so that's cool yeah that's really cool that that's a better way to end it there you go <laughs> there you yeah that's a beautiful that's a that's a story okay, we're ending right there um so i usually give people uh guests a um a space to give a sponsor shout out or just anything you'd like to say any closing thoughts with this platform um you get a pretty good uh, shout out to fisher already oh yeah um Oh man, Fisher, Spider, Paw, Cliff. Thank you guys. You guys are the best. You're keeping this engine running. Um, <laughs> but uh, truly the sponsors make everything possible and it's and it's great. Um, but what I'd just say is just like as Americans and ski racing, like we're I hope we have the attitude that we're here to to win, to be the best in the world. We're not here to make the U.S. ski team. We're not here to be the best on the U.S. team. Like, let's be world yeah. beaters. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. let's let's dominate. Let's dominate. Yeah. Like, that's that's what I hope we can foster an attitude of, and and I like seeing that within you guys. Um, Hopefully you guys have that attitude, but I know you have a good nucleus and you have like a good crew that's tight and pushing each other and, and you can ride that wave to a, a higher, better place and, um, start punching for that top step on the podium. Yeah. I'm fired up. <laughs> Thanks for that. I'm fired up now. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah, that's Steven Nyman. Steven, <laughs> thanks for, uh, letting me sit outside your house and record Jimmy. this. You're going to Europe in a couple days, right? Yeah. Ah, enjoy. Thanks. Ski some turns for me. I will. Make every turn count because, like I said earlier, it's like really you don't have that much time on the hill. Yeah. And every turn counts. Like make sure you're prepared for every day. Pack your bags the night before, whatever. Like get be ready. Yeah. I've arrived at camps with no boot boards and had to ski on cliff bars in my boots. <laughs> Shout out to cliff bar. It really hurts. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's yeah. it's. Like, don't waste time because next thing you know, you'll be 38 and maybe still ski racing. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, no, it still hasn't worn off. It's still there. <laughs> That's cool. I'm still getting plenty of messages from family and friends. And I think every message just like brings the whole moment back. Yeah, that is really cool. No one can take that away from you. You are a World Cup podium. World Cup podium skier. Um, and so you've always had your best results in slalom. And then you ran Solden GS at the beginning of this year and got 10th. Um, which was your best result, I think, in any World Cup. And then you pulled up to the Parallel GS in Austria and got second. So have you been training more GS, like I'm assuming? Um, not more like than I trained slalom, but um, it's more GS than I've ever trained okay. ever. So in general, yes, more GS, but not more than a normal per- person probably. <laughs> okay. Well, your competition should be worried then. Because you haven't even uh, you haven't even hit the peak of the iceberg yet, or whatever you want to say. Yeah, I don't know. It's been fun. I'm lucky that I have such a fast teammate in GS. Nina's really been mm-hmm. the the motivator behind it. She's always kind of beat me in GS mm. every run, and she still does most of the time. So I'm usually just trying to keep up. That's cool. So a little good like team dynamic there, and also a shout out like Nina. We. Uh, everyone who's listening like we can we can uh expect big things from mina and gs maybe coming up she's got the speed for it she's got big things in both events coming i have no fear nice that's good to hear so also congrats on your win at italian nationals you won the slalom (laughs) there um do you know any italian no not at all (laughs) no i don't either i just fake it i say linguini tortellini tomato salsa Uh Mario Kart. It's pretty good. I've got like grats mille. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, how is training going? And are you excited for the next races, which are in Corsival, I believe, GSs? Yeah. Um, training's been going all right. Just like everyone in Europe, we were at this point in the season where winter really hadn't come and there was no snow anywhere besides glaciers and now we are kind of cresting this peak of where winter's hitting and there's big snowstorms kind of rolling in all across Europe so like everyone else we're just trying to navigate where we can get beneficial training Mm -hmm. um so with this like the storm rolling in this weekend we're gonna just call it and take some more time off and then we're gonna go train in uh Santa Catarina after the World Cup races so we are guaranteed some good surface before Courchevel. Nice. Well, um, you've got a place here in Arc City if you ever want to visit again. Um, and good luck in your next races. Thanks for talking to us. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me again. Time to read the mail. I didn't get much this week. And I, that, I mean, that's expected. Not many people knew the podcast was coming out, at least not compared to the following I had when I was podcasting for the podcast ski racing this week. But if you've got friends that want to listen, if you've got friends that might want to know about it. If you've just got random friends that you can send this to send it to them, I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. And I love doing this and I love hearing from you guys. Don't be afraid to send me mail because I will always respond. That's a guarantee. So we've got two this week. One an email from a Dan who wrote me, I like the comparison of skiing and surfing, and I think you should also consider including the similarities with kayaking. After all, there are parallels between the traditional slalom and downriver disciplines, as well as freestyle, which relies on shaped boats. 
Remember, I talked last week to Julia Mancuso a bit about uh, surfing and skiing and the comparison between the two. And a Matthew DM'd me and said, I knew Ivan Petkoff well. Remember, Ivan Petkoff is the one I mentioned in the history nugget last week who helped invent shape skis. Really sad death. I had a pair of S skis then. Elon bought or stole the shapes and created the SCX. Yvonne also invented the heated boot bag. Well, thank you, Matthew, for that note. And Yvonne Petkoff, rest in peace, my friend. Remember, if you've got questions, suggestions, or grievances, you can DM me on Instagram at Jimmy underscore who underscore or shoot me an email to arccityjimmy at gmail.com. The info on all that is in the description. Now, that wraps it up. I am here in Europe. It is snowing. The ski season has begun. I hope that each and every one of you listening can ski this season or can at least experience the joy of skiing through the World Cup circuit, through video, through podcasts, whatever. And with that, I leave you. My name is Jimmy Krupka. You have been visiting Arc City, and I'll see you next time.